is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 492 for Friday, July the 24th, 2020. Welcome to the program, everyone. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Jason, I hope you are doing well. I'm doing marginally okay. How are you? (laughs) Not too bad, not too bad. I was just saying before we started that... All week, and in fact, the last couple of weeks, I sort of have been feeling a little run down or not really run down, but maybe just getting tired earlier in the in the evening. And yeah. it's it's just against my nature to listen to my body and be like, I should go to bed because I, I don't know what's wrong with me and I don't. And so then it probably just makes the problem worse as the days go on. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually quoted, uh, our good friend Dave to my wife earlier today, which is uh, actually apt in this case as well. Dave once said uh, to me, normal gets worse as time goes on. <laughs> well, it sure is lately. Yeah. It sure is good old normal. So we have a huge, a huge podcast tonight, Jason. I'm very, very excited. Not only are we going to talk about the next episode of the twilight zone, uh-huh. We have tons of Walking Dead stuff to talk about before that, because today, awesome. today was the full day of San Diego Comic-Con at home panels about the Walking Dead universe. And there were three big ones that took place, all of which I watched and all of which had some interesting information and provoked some thoughts in my brain. So we That's have great. all that to talk about, plus... Some other Walking Dead news that had oh. surfaced throughout the week. Nice. So we got a lot going on here. And, Sounds uh, like a big show. It does. It's a very I'm excited big, to find out what's going on. It's a very big show. So we are going to just jump right in and, you know, not screw around. We're going to get started with what I call, all of it, The Walking Dead News. The Walking Dead News. All right. So as I mentioned... There were three panels today for Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, and The Walking Dead World Beyond, the new show. I watched and all these three. Were, you watched all three. I did not. I watched part of uh, World Beyond, the first maybe seven minutes, uh, and then I jumped around a bit, and then I, I, I just noped right out of that thing. All right. And I'll, I'll explain that in a second. Um, so these were pre-recorded. Indeed. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, and- I didn't know that going in. I I thought that these panels were going to be live streams and actually happening in real time. But yeah. in fact, it became clear very quickly to me that they were pre-recorded, edited together, and then essentially just made available at the times we were promised. And when I found that out, because you told me that, you, you messaged me and told me that they were pre-recorded. And I, would, I had been looking forward to watching a live panel online. I'm like, yay, the world is online now. I can watch things live. And so when you said it was pre-recorded, I really had a split moment there. I didn't know whether to be uh, pissed off because it's not live, or if I should thank all the tiny burnt gods that it was pre-recorded and I could just kind of skip it. Because, uh, you know, normally, as you all know, and as you know, Chris, I try not to uh, pay attention 
to the Walking Dead uh, information that's happening on the internet, which includes some of these uh, panels and and you know pre-record pre-recordings of panels because I I just don't care that much, but I have seen live panels in the past and I enjoy them, so I was looking forward to the live event. It's live. It's real. It's visceral. It's uh, it's, it's an event rather than a thing. And then when you said that it was pre-recorded, all of that went out the window. And once that all went out the window, I was like, well, now I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Right? And, and I know when you say you don't care, it's not really that it's that it's that you kind of our thing in a way is that you kind of stay, um, unsullied as it were um, yeah. with the news and stuff like that. So your reaction when we do talk about news and casting and whatever else it's it's a little more raw and it's a little more it, it is raw yeah. you know i try and be raw and live and real and visceral yeah right i try not to be pre pre-recorded but even though you know technically we are pre-recorded <laughs> technically yes <laughs> but um, it's live before a studio audience right I mean, the studio audience happens to be zero but it's live of course um so yeah so a live panel was way more um up your alley but then yes. it turns out that it wasn't the case so you sort of lost the excitement for it a little bit. And I, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the day here now, it means that you haven't really watched these panels yet. And everything no. I'm about to run through is going in your virgin ears. It, a lot of it is. Now, the one thing I said was, uh, you know, after the panels had aired, I asked you, is there anything specific I need to watch in order to, uh, in order to prepare for this? Like if there's a trailer I should watch, I'll watch it. Cause I do that. Right. Uh, if there's uh, information about the show or something I need to be, need to watch, I'll watch it. So I asked you that, but I said specifically, <laughs> don't tell me the date that the final episode is going to air because I don't want to know. I want to react to it live on the air. And to be fair, I didn't tell you the date. No, you did not tell me. So, uh, <laughs> but you did say, try and watch the world beyond panel. Right. So I went fine. Okay. I'll watch the world beyond panel. I put it on and I saw Chris Hardwick on the screen in his, I don't even know what to call that room, but that wallpaper was just hideous. What about his I, shirt? I didn't even notice his shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like he has a room in his house like that. Yeah. On yeah. purpose. He's got a very extravagant house as far as I understand. Him and his wife both collect horror memorabilia like horror movie memorabilia so they got all kinds of stuff apparently and he was in two different rooms in his house across the three panels one was the one you saw the other one was a much bigger room there wasn't a lot of uh stuff in view but there were certainly some things including a guitar but also a few other props and things like that so i think he lives in a pretty interesting place okay so uh, I was watching that panel and the first thing he said, well, one of the first things he said was, we're going to talk about the world beyond and it airs on bloody blot date right after the Walking Dead finale. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Jesus, Chris, not you, Chris Hardwick. Uh, so this is why I don't watch things on the internet because uh-huh. I can't, ha- and I can't even look at the internet like after Game of Thrones, and that Game of Thrones episode air- aired, I can't even look at YouTube titles because YouTube titles will spoil Game of Thrones. Or if you go on Reddit, the Reddit descriptions of whatever you're looking at, you could be looking at, uh, you know, uh, eye bleach. Have you ever gone to Reddit eye bleach? Yeah. It's, it's like uh, cute animals and stuff, yeah, right? Kittens and stuff. It's right. just, it's like, okay, how, you know, the chances of something being spoiled on the eye, bre- eye bleach subreddit is very slim. 
But yet, I've been spoiled on iBleach. You know, <laughs> they, they title something, this is, a, you know, oh, my kitten looks like the Game of Thrones character after she died on uh, the last episode. Right. I'm like, oh, go to hell, stupid <laughs> iBleach kitten. Uh, so, this is why I hate the internet. You can't trust the internet at all. It will spoil you. If you don't want to be spoiled about something, you got to shut the internet down. All right. Well, all that is to say that... You have watched very little of these panels, even though you do know the premiere date, which we're going to talk about in a second. Yep. Uh, there's plenty- I didn't want to spoil. See, I was nice. I didn't spoil the date. I didn't say anything. There you go. There's plenty of other information that's come out that I think you're going to be interested in. So let's get started, Jason. We have a lot to get through here. One more, one more thing. One more the thing. The reason I noped out of the panel. Oh, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. It was, um, I'm finding over the last couple of years that I will not watch, uh, bloopers. Like if I, if there's mm-hmm. a, you know, bloopers for a show or behind the scenes or, outtakes. uh, outtakes, uh, you know, even deleted scenes sometimes are a bit odd. I tend not to watch them because if it's a show I like, I don't want to see the characters out of character. Okay. I like the characters. I like the show. Uh, and I can stomach it for shows I've watched for a long time. I can watch uh, the actors, you know, doing something uh, because I, I'm a, the characters are established. This is all new actors, right? Actors that, well, a, a lot of them are actors we haven't seen before in The Walking Dead. Uh, and so I don't know these characters. Ah. And so I didn't want the actors' personalities overlaid on the characters that I'm going to watch. So I was thinking, I can't watch this because now I'm going to, when I watch the pilot, I'm going to see the actors and not the characters. I see. So it would have been no problem to watch the other two panels, probably, especially Walking Dead, um, but not this one because we haven't seen the show yet. That's right. Interesting. Okay. So that's, and so I'm like, I, I can't do it. I don't know the, I don't know the characters. I don't know the actors and actors are always acting so it struck me as the actors were acting like themselves. They weren't actually themselves. They were kind of acting like they felt they should be acting in this situation. So it seemed, anyway, it was very meta and uh, I just, I couldn't do it. All right. Well, we'll get back to that because I have a few thoughts on the World Beyond uh, panel, but we're going to do the other two shows first just because they are the ones that have been around for a while and there's... Awesome. They are the ones we tend to focus on. So... We're going to start with the Walking Dead panel, um, which was the one that was at, uh, well, it was at 1 p.m. Pacific time today, which I failed to mention in the last couple of weeks leading up to this. Yeah. Honestly, because it didn't occur to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit um, biased toward Eastern time, as that's where I live. So right. when we were talking about the times in the last few weeks... I just kind of assumed it was Eastern time, but apparently, no, it's not. It was Pacific time because this is, of course, San Diego Comic-Con. And that meant instead of the panels being at noon, one and two, they were at uh, three, four and five p.m. our time. However, the Walking Dead one was the one in the middle and we're going to talk about it first. So right off the bat, they announced that the Walking Dead pre, uh, well, finale, finale, episode 16 of season 10, will air on October the 4th. So way in the future, just like you thought. Yeah, that's true, but not, it's not as bad as it could have been. Like I, I was a little bit worried they were going to say, this is middle of November, you know, 
early December, something like that. October 4th doesn't upset me too much. I got to say. Really? I was, I was kind of, you know, in my heart of hearts, I was hoping for this Sunday. Well, I was too. I want to see it just like everybody else does and sooner would have been better. But when you think about it, I feel like they really had two options here. One is to do it immediately, you know, do it this Sunday or maybe give us a week, do it next Sunday. The other option is to do it in the sort of fall time frame, in the October, late September, early October, when, you know, well, the show generally premieres the season in October, so that feels like a natural time to do it as well. I don't feel like, you know, any time in August or early September would have made any sense for some reason, but uh, because people are still, you know, having their summer uh, in theory, kids are going back to school around late August, early September. Who knows what? That's the, that's the current thinking. Well, yeah. Who knows what's actually <laughs> going to happen this year? Um, maybe it depends on where you are. But I think early October makes some sense. Don't forget The Walking Dead typically premieres a little later in the month, you know, closer to Halloween. So they've thrown us a bone here. They've, I, uh, in a way, you know, it's it's still the same month as always, but it's the first Sunday in the month. So October 4th it is. We have that to look forward to. Do we know when the premiere is? Did they announce that? Uh, no. We'll get to that in a bit, though. Um, okay. There's, there's some information around that that all ties together. So they announced that October the 4th. They also played the first few minutes from the episode. Really? So in lieu of a trailer of any kind, they gave us the cold open for the season finale. And I must say, I thought it was a pretty good clip. It features Father Gabe quite a bit. And it, he's, he's, doing, he's in some scenes and then doing a bit of a voiceover. And it, it includes some things that are public knowledge right now, but that we've actually avoided talking about on this here podcast because they, in my opinion, could be considered some spoilers. Okay, so it's important to realize that I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, in theory, it could be important to someone, and Jason has no idea what I'm talking about. So this I'm is okay going to be I'm okay with fun. being spoiled on this show. Like, on this podcast, I'm okay with the spoilers. It's, you know, prior to this. I want you to spoil shit for me. Right. Not the internet at large, and definitely not uh, the iBleach subreddit, those rat bastards. All right, so here's the thing that, that people have known for a long time that we haven't really mentioned here. Okay. And that is that Lauren Cohen is coming back to the show. Right. I knew that one. You did know that. Cause you mentioned this on previous podcasts. Well, I don't know if I have. You have. Cause otherwise, how would I know this? Well, occasionally we talk about things off the air. Not that much. You said that she was going to be on the panel. Oh, did I? All right. Yeah. You mentioned that she was going to be on the panel and that uh, we talked about her other show uh, not getting picked up for a second season or something, and that she was coming back to The Walking Dead. Okay. Well, she is indeed coming back to The Walking Dead, and she makes an appearance in the cold open, so they don't waste any time showing us her on the oh, yeah. show. Okay. In the cold open of the finale. Yeah. Assuming That what they, is surprising. Assuming what they showed us was the finished piece, and I think it was. That's how they presented it. Huh. Yeah. That means they knew that a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, well that, okay, that's new. That's new information for me. Anyways, it was great to see her on the panel, I thought, to be honest. Uh, I feel like I've missed Maggie, and she seemed genuinely 
happy and excited to be there and to be a part of this. So I, I think it's a great thing that she's coming back to the show. And I, 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 look, for, I look forward to it. Yep. Now, here are the things we learned outside of the premiere date on this panel that I think are huge. So they were talking about season 11 a little bit and the fact that they have been writing it for some time now, but they were never able to start production on it because of the shutdown. So at this point, when we'd normally have almost the first half of the season complete, they haven't even started filming yet. So having it premiere in late October is a pipe dream. It's not going to be a thing. It is not happening. Angela Kang said that obviously season 11 will not be starting in October this year. Right. She did not announce, she did not announce a premiere date for season 11 because I think they don't even know yet. Like if they haven't even started production, they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, they're, they shouldn't be leaving their homes. They should still be in lockdown and uh, don't go anywhere near anybody else. So I wouldn't be surprised that they don't know anything. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we don't know when we're going to be able to, you know, hire a grip, let alone release this whole show. Yeah. The thing is they may, you know, maybe they should still be in lockdown, but the fact is they've technically reopened for production. So they... I think could be working on it now or very soon if they want to be, but you're probably right with the things going on all over the U S uh, it's probably not the best idea. So they haven't started and they don't know when season 11 is going to happen. Uh, although I do suspect that they have in the back of their mind, a feeling for when it's going to happen. But playing into this is that she did announce something else very exciting. And that Mm -hmm. is that they are going to add six new episodes to, she said, season 10 that come after the finale. What? (laughs) I know. The finale, episode 16, airs on October the 4th. They are going to produce and air six more episodes in early 2021 uh, that are technically part of season 10 but are coming after the finale. She called them part of season 10. I'm liking, I think of it already as season 10.5. We're getting a a mini season in between 10 and 11. So how are they going to do that? Like, well, uh, because if they couldn't finish season or couldn't finish the finale because of the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, how are they going to produce uh, additional episodes, unless they were all recorded over webcast, which, uh, you know, having the walking dead cast or the, the walking dead characters all get together on a zoom call probably <laughs> breaks reality a little bit. It would break my, you know, uh, understanding of the, uh, the world rules. Oh yeah. If they example. don't have Netflix, I don't think they have zoom. No, because it was, was it even invented when the, the virus broke out? Well, so, uh, I don't know. Friggin' Eugene would have to invent something uh, in order to have, uh, you know, real-time chat Yeah, uh, with video conferencing because it's a TV show and you can't just have audio only. That'd no. be silly. So, I mean, as soon as I heard this, I was like, well, I've got some questions. Uh, you know, how in the world 
were they able to produce these episodes considering they've been shut down until now? Uh Um, Or if they haven't done them yet, which is in fact the case, are they expecting to do them over the next few months? But if they're doing that, that means they're shooting this either concurrently with season 11 or ahead of season 11. I also was wondering when did they write these? But I guess if they'd had, if they've had all this extra time writing, you know, in the last four or five months, they have probably had time to put hand to keyboard and get these six episodes written. Now it just comes down to actually shooting and producing them. So I did a little Googling and I found an article from Variety that, that used the phrase shot and released. So these episodes are going to be shot and released in early 2021. And maybe if they can start a little sooner than the new year, they will. Early 2021 can mean anywhere from January to July, probably, to be honest with you. Um, So we don't know when that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, if all comes together and, and then this plan, you know, does its thing, we're going to have six new bonus episodes of The Walking Dead early 2021 and that's pretty cool yeah you know what this is the first time i've ever actually talked about 2021 that i recall Mm -hmm. and i'm my first one of my first thoughts here is that i hope it's a real year and not this jumbled mess that we're in in now i hope we actually get distinct months not just uh february or january february part of march and then a whole friggin big mess and the next thing you know it's november yeah i hope so too yeah, so I'm hoping 2021 has distinct individual uh, months and uh, a real sense of actual time. <laughs> that would be really nice. And uh, we can we can measure that time by when these new Walking Dead episodes come out yeah, early. I, I could do that. I could do that. Early 2021. So as this relates to season 11 and the production of season 11, I started thinking to myself, well, they've decided right now that we're not getting season 11 until fall 2021. So they're basically taking this year off from Walking Dead, other than these new episodes. And I think they're going to produce these, run right into season 11 production and premiere season 11 in October of 2021. That seems to make the most sense to me at this point. It does. I I wonder whether this is... Uh, by ha- producing additional episodes for uh, season 10, whether that buys them more time or whether it just adds to their workload. And I'm wondering what the thinking is. Like, it must buy them more time that they need. Like, if we do this, we'll have more time to do that. Yeah, I think it does buy them some time. But it, what it really does is they've... Like, remember season one was six episodes all those years ago. What what they're doing is they're, I think they've realized, you know, we can put together six episodes. That's not even half of a regular season. So yeah. we can put that together relatively quickly. Um, it will, it will tide people over until season 11 is, you know, actually ready. It'll give us more time. We won't have to premiere season 11 early. Uh, you know, if you consider before next fall early, um, and it'll, it'll give us something to watch. It'll give all the fans something to watch. And I guess they figure they can, they can do that. If they can produce eight episodes between March, like a normal production schedule is, 
May for a season. They start in early May and they have most of the first half done by middle of July. So that's pretty quick, actually. Maybe not most of it, but they have enough to give us a a solid trailer at Comic-Con usually. So if they can do eight episodes in that time, they can easily do six. And if they start in January and they have them done by March, we'll have episodes in March for six weeks, you know, which takes us into April. And then we take the summer off. We get season 11 in October. Must be a contract thing with the actors, right? We have to use these actors and they have to be working within this time frame or their contracts are going to expire. <laughs> so we have to do something. So we get this whole other production stream uh, working saying, okay, we need something to be put out like immediately or we're, these actors are going to be out of contract and uh, they may not leave the show, but they're definitely going to be asking for more money. Oh, probably. Yeah. Right. So we have to, you know, it's use it or lose it kind of thing. So we have to use these actors. So let's, you know, let's pile onto this whole production, whole new production stream in order to get these actors working as soon as possible so that we can do what we really want to do in a reasonable time frame after uh, we can start working together again. Like it must be something like that. I just, I can't see that adding workload uh, buys them anything. But I don't see it as adding workload. They're pushing season 11 back and, and doing this instead, right? They're, they'd still be... I mean, I guess well, they are because they're adding six episodes. It's true. Yeah. I mean, if if there was a video game that uh, it's, you know, got delayed because of production issues, uh, like that's never happened, hmm. uh, they don't put out another video game to tide people over. They're like, yeah, this game is going to be a year late. That's you know, true. Suck it, suck it up, assholes. It's a video game. This is the video game industry. But the TV industry, we've had long delays in the past, Right. Right. Uh, I mean, there has, uh, look at the Battlestar Galactica or, uh, there's been, uh, what Mad Men, there was like a year and a half between scene, uh, seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like long, long delays, but that was in, and they just did that. They didn't put out, uh, you know, extra Mad Men in order to tide people over, right? They didn't put out extra Battlestar Galactica to tide people over in those long hiatuses. So I, I don't see that that being a problem. And they have a perfect excuse. For Mad Men, it's just like, well, we just can't get it done, so we're not going to do it. You know, just what, for whatever reason, we can't get it done, so we're not going to do it. Now they have a legitimate, there's a global pandemic here, folks. You mm-hmm. know, bear with us. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. They're going to be given a lot of slack for producing this late. So adding that in, I just, I don't see it unless there's some kind of weird contractual thing or I, I, I don't understand the thinking. Well, you, you could be right. You could be right. And, and on top of that, they have two other shows that they have uh, plenty of episodes to air. So there's no shortage of Walking Dead content, that's for sure. But I guess for whatever reason, contract or otherwise, um, they decided that they didn't want to go essentially two years between seasons. They could have saved themselves money. If this was a contractual issue with the, uh, with the actors, they could have saved themselves money by uh, getting them together and filming a bunch of bullshit and then never doing anything with it. The actors were working. We, you know, we, we put them to work as per their contract, Mm -hmm. but we shot the footage, you know, where in their contract does it say we have to do anything with this shit? I'm just throwing it in the garbage. Sure. You know, <clears throat> contract issue resolved. Yeah. And I well, saved half the money on production. I guess so. Because I didn't have to write a script. <laughs> I don't have to pay editors. I don't have to do any advertising. Uh, you know, anyway, this whole thing doesn't make 
a lot of sense to me. Except for from the a fact, business perspective. Sure. Except for the fact that we as the fans get some extra Walking Dead and don't have to wait as long for it. I hope in a couple of years we look back and go, man, those six extra episodes in season 10 were the best they've ever done. I really hope that's the case. Uh-huh. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. That would be really great. Good luck to you for that. Okay. Well, as they discussed things on the panel, you know, they were asked, so, you know, all of them were asked, what can you tell us about this finale episode that's coming up? And Greg Nicotero said this, and I quote, the last five minutes of the episode, take it to a whole other place. Oh, and, like an aircraft carrier? Well, I think this has to be literal. He has to be literally saying, we're going to see somewhere new. We are going <laughs> to see something 100% new. And I have to believe that this will be um, the location of the uh, three ringed helicopters and, and whoever those people are. Uh, and that is probably where... Stephanie is, in my opinion, uh, Eugene's radio girlfriend. Right. All right. Or maybe he's just fucking with us. Like, we're going to take it to a whole new place, as in they're going to get out of the hospital and go to a restaurant. I don't know if we've ever seen them all sitting down in a restaurant before. <laughs> it might be right beside the hospital, but, you know, maybe they went for shawarma after. And, they're, you know, we're going to a whole new place. Oh, my God. They got shawarma. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's a whole new place, but I think it'll be a big deal. So I don't think he was just trying to say, you know figuratively the show is going in a new direction or a whole new place i think he was being literal there and you just had to pick up on it okay i could use some shawarma it's been too long i love shawarma exactly so scott gimple was there and he revealed that they may or may not be working on some things that could involve previous characters from the show and he said maybe not whole series but Definitely the odd thing that was early in the apocalypse, for example, because uh, somebody, the question may have been what past character would you love to see come back or would you love to have a, a spinoff show based on? Oh, it was based on pre-apocalypse. And his answer was Glenn, because Glenn pre-apocalypse would, he thinks it would be a funny show, you know, it'd be a comedy and be fun to watch. Uh, he said, of course, that's not happening, but he did say that there could be things they're working on that involves previous characters early in the apocalypse. So I think that's, okay. that's exciting. It is. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, get your hopes up too high, but I may or may not be working on a present for you in my woodworking shop out in the garage, uh, lately. And it may or may not, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but it may or may not have taken, uh, you know, 40 to 80 hours for me to put this present together, Chris. Well, I really look forward to it now, man. Well, I don't want to get your hopes up because, it, uh, you know, I may or may not have been doing this. Right. I know. I know. You may or may not. That's fine. On one hand, I'm very excited. On the other hand, I don't expect anything. Yeah. So, and just so you know, if you ever see in print or on the internet, a headline of a news article that is posed as a question, the answer is usually no. <laughs> right. The answer is <laughs> nope. Don't think so. Man walks on the moon for the first time in 30 years? No. No. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been longer than that. I'm just saying that's all he said. I don't, uh, I don't think he's lying when they say they've probably at the very least had some conversations about what if we did this with Shane or what if we had an episode online where Glenn did this 10 years ago, you know, they've probably had those discussions. 
how well, I like the idea, but I don't like the way you phrased it as in, you know, we may or may not be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Like, how- well, I mean, you know, shit, I'll get off the pot there, buddy. Are you working on this or not? <laughs> right. It's a good idea. I just wanted to throw it out there because you never know what we might see. Now, finally, my favorite moment in the whole panel came um, when Paula Lazaro, who plays uh, Princess, mm-hmm. was asked, who would you most love to have a scene with? What actor? Oh, yeah. And so the question was posed and Jeffrey Dean Morgan is there and he starts like, you know, pointing to himself, gesturing to himself because he's such a cool guy and everyone wants to work with him. And he's waving his hands. And so she starts talking and she says, I'd love to have a scene with Jeffrey. And he pumps his fists up in the air. And then she finishes and says, Jeffrey Demun. <laughs> <laughs> and he just sort of deflates. And I laughed out loud when it awesome. happened because he was just like pumping his chest as he does. And then she says, Jeffrey Demun, who of course played <laughs> Dale way back. Yeah, uh, take that. It was fantastic. It was a great moment. Super funny. It's worth watching just for that, I thought. I might check out the panel. I think the thing that I missed the most about this particular panel style that I think that I would like to uh, to watch and other shows that have been airing, uh, you know, uh, The Late Show, uh, you know, the, whatever, the Stephen Colbert uh, and Seth Meyers and um, John Oliver, they're all doing their shows from home, right? They and all of these panels took place uh, in their homes. I like to see what the actors' homes look like. I don't want to see the actors. Like, I've established that. I don't want to see the actors. I just want to see where they live. Yeah. Because you know that this is actually their home, right? They didn't go some, well, they might've gone to their office because I know uh, actors a lot of times have offices, sure. separate offices that they, that they work out of. So, but it is their personal space. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not a studio, it's their personal space. And so when you saw, when I saw uh, Chris Hardwick's uh, fucking God awful, uh, <laughs> you know, not wood paneling, what do you call it? Uh, wallpaper. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's his, like that he made that choice to have that in his home. I don't know if it was there when he moved in, but at some point he went, yes, uh-huh. I'm buying this house or yes, that's the wallpaper I want you to put up for me. Yep. So I like to see that. And even in that aspect of, uh, even the few minutes of the panel that I did watch, you know, you see some actors, uh, you know, you see the backgrounds of their homes. Some of them were uh, much nicer, like Scott Gimple. He had a whole, it looked like all the background was all lit up really oh, nice. His place that looked was, like a really styling friggin' house. Are I was you like, sure? I thought his place was like a weird college student's dorm. Oh, yeah. Light it up, man. I got lighting all over the place. Uh, well, I, I don't. I mean, my keyboard lights up. Right. And my, so do my monitors. But... Uh, I, I kind of, it was, it was neat to see that, you know, again, conscious choices, like he didn't just throw this together for the panel or he might have, you know, I've got a panel, I better better hire a decorator to come and do this, but whenever, uh, I like to see their actual homes. Like when you see candid photos of actors, I saw a, a photograph of, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, who fell asleep on his couch with his cat mm-hmm. reading a script. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I'm, and it was neat to see because I know that's his house. That's his cat. Yeah. That's kind of neat to see. Makes him feel like so, a real person. I may go back and watch, like jump around the panel 
uh, video just to see what these people's homes look like. Okay, well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, let's move on to the Fear the Walking Dead panel. And sure. uh, first of all, they announced that it would premiere on Sunday, October the 11th. So the week following the Walking yep. Dead finale. Um, and most of the notes I made about this panel, to be honest, were about the people's houses. <laughs> nice. Okay, so maybe I should watch that panel. Maybe. So I thought Scott Gimple, I thought his place was extremely weird with all the, the colorful LED lighting all over the place. He also had a comic rack in his house with comics on it. Nice. Which I thought was, I guess, fine, but strange. What's but wrong he, with that? Nothing. He's just a bit of a, he's an eccentric guy. He's a bit of a weirdo, I think. And so I, I, his I house, thought for a while I would like to have a magazine rack. Well, like that's what I, it was. Well, yeah. And I think that's, that's not a bad idea. There's a bunch of, uh, like my D&D books. Uh -huh. like they're all on a shelf and they're lined up all nicely and stuff, but the covers are really quite beautiful. Uh huh. So having them laid out on a a rack that you can see the covers and you change them around every once in a while. So you get, it's like a, a an art installation. I can see that. Okay. Well, I would like that. Well, you and Scott Gimple might get along. Um, Coleman Domingo had a cool looking place. I thought he had a really neat lamp behind him. Oh yeah. I love uh, lamps. It was, it was very, very cool. I'm not being facetious. I love lamps. Jason loves lamp. <laughs> uh, Lenny James was in a really drab looking bedroom, I thought. Almost like it was a hotel room. So maybe it was, I don't know. Um, but boy. Maybe he runs a hotel out of his basement. I don't know. Maybe he does, but it was just, there was a bed behind him and just nothing on the wall and just looked sort of boring. His beard looked fantastic though. Oh yeah. It was. Sorry. It, SARS, COVID beard. COVID beard, maybe longer at the, but it was very well groomed too. It was a little longer at the bottom with some, you know, his beard's going white down there. Thought he looked. It's probably just the way it grows. Like, I, I'm sure it's not groomed or anything. It's oh, just, he's yeah. one of those magical people that grows magical beards. It probably. Automatically braid themselves if they grow long enough. Probably. I have a picture with Lenny James up here behind me and uh, he doesn't have the same beard in that picture, but he looks way better now, I think. Cool. Um, Alicia Debnam Carey was just in this like really tight shot in a corner. There was a, a curtain beside her on one side, which was maybe in front of a window. Um, but you couldn't see anything, just really boring white wall there. When I see that, like, and I've seen that in, uh, you know, when you're on calls with people and every once in a while, it'll be a video call, uh, or what have you. And you see people. And if they're in a tight corner like that, what I imagine is that their place is a complete fucking disaster. Oh, probably. Like the only clean spot in this house is this one goddamn corner. So I have to build or I have to pile up the junk in order to put the laptop on. So it points right at the right angle <laughs> so that I don't see my fucking hoarder's nightmare in the rest of the house. Could be it. Could be it. I don't know for sure. That That's what I, I choose to imagine. Yeah. Well, maybe that's how Alicia Debnam Carey lives, because all maybe. we could see was that I corner. Mean, it's, you know, it's kind of sad, but, you know, to each their own. All right. So in terms of information, though, that we got here, um, I wasn't able to watch the whole panel. I had to jump off and do something, and then I didn't have a chance to go back and, and watch the rest of it. But, um, you know, Coleman did re reveal that he directed an episode in uh, the upcoming season, and he called it Die Hard-esque. Oh yeah. Piques my interest, I gotta say. Christmas episode takes place in Nakatomi Plaza. I'm on. I'm in. Definitely a thing. Lenny James also directed an episode, which was his first ever directing experience. Nice. Which I think was fun. And he actually spoke very passionate, passionately about doing it and being really nervous doing it, but having everyone around him that he knew just making it a as pleasant an experience as possible for him. So uh 
who knows if he'll do it again, but I will be curious to see that one uh, when, when it finally airs. Um, and then they asked if there will be time jumps or they were asked if there will, will be time jumps in this season. And the, uh, one of the showrunners said that there will be at least one time jump in season six of, uh, fear the walking dead. Okay. So it'll go from day to night. Well, we don't have the, the number of hours or days or months, but, uh, there will be a yeah. time jump. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we won't, you know, watch the sunset live. It'll just, it'll jump and it'll be night all of a sudden. There you go. That's, you know, requirement satisfied. There you go. So anyways, fear comes back on Sunday, October the 11th. I'm now, so cynical. Now, well, you know, it's what's happened. It's what happens when you get older. Uh, the walking dead world beyond this, mm. this show is premiering immediately following the walking dead finale on October 4th. Yeah, I so, heard that from so, Chris Hardwick. That's right. So this is the the same plan as we had back for, you know, April, which didn't happen. They've just moved it to October 4th. And, you know, I wasn't originally going to watch too much of this panel because, again, it's the new show. I wasn't sure about it and so on, but I ended up watching it and... A couple of things struck me. One is that Scott Gimple seemed most excited about this one of all three, to be honest with you. Huh. I, I, I figure maybe that's fair because it's new. It's kind of his, you know, most recent baby. So he's got a, a level of excitement for it that he, he doesn't really show for the other shows that have been going for five and 10 years now. Well, he didn't, he wasn't at the helm when fear started, right? Um, well, he, he wasn't. No, he wasn't the head of the Walking Dead universe when Fear started. Yeah. No, he was the showrunner on, on Walking Dead. Yeah, and he also didn't, he wasn't there at the ground floor of uh, the Walking Dead either. So this is the first show where he's been involved since Inception. That's which, right. It goes a long way. Like I've been part of projects uh, in, in my work life where uh, I've been thrown in halfway and it's it's annoying because you're, you're inheriting crap. And you got to deal with uh, situations that are not of your making and you're not really mentally invested. You're just, you know, moving along. I mean, I'm sure he's more mentally invested than anything, but, uh, you know, if I start at a project from uh, the ground floor and I'm there for the, uh, the initial uh, discussions and uh, I'm really much more invested in, in the project and much more interested in taking it through to fruition. So this doesn't surprise me at all that he would be more excited about this than the other shows. The other shows are fine and they're all well and good and he's probably perfectly happy working on them, but this is the first one where he's, you know, it's his, yeah. it's his show. This is his. So that, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing that I noticed is that Matt Negretti, the showrunner on this one, I, I must admit, I love Angela Kang, no offense to her, but I thought Matt was probably the most eloquent and intelligent sounding showrunner we have had on any of these shows, right. which, which I also like. I mean, he's, he was really able to talk about it. And again, I could feel his passion for it, which is something I don't get from the two guys on fear currently. Right. Um, and, and it was just kind of nice to hear, to be honest with you, I, I, immediately like this guy so I, for these two reasons i must admit that this panel got me kind of excited for the walking dead world beyond where as before i wasn't all that pumped for it uh, at least not yet and 
you know, they revealed a couple of other things. We already sort of knew that this show takes place 10 years in. It's a bunch of younger characters who were alive during the zombie apocalypse, but really grew up post-apocalypse. Yeah. Um, but we're going to see flashbacks apparently to what they call the day the sky fell, which was earlier on, early on in the apocalypse. So we're going to learn a little bit about what their experience was like in the early days. But the main focus of the show is this group of characters who leave this very safe community that they've always lived in to go on a cross country quest, apparently. So it's kind of a road trip show, which I also right. thought would be fun and entertaining. That would be, yeah, it's good. You know, so I, I, I have I'm, much more excitement for World Beyond than I did a few hours ago. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I thought of two other examples of uh, getting in at the ground floor. Uh, one relevant, one not. Uh, so the relevant one is uh, The Walking Dead itself and my uh, involvement in the show. Uh, you know, other shows in the past like that I've really, really loved you know, I watched the pilot episode. Hey, this is a good show. I watched another episode. This is still a good show. And I watched the whole show and I really enjoyed it. But The Walking Dead, we started this podcast the day we found out that uh, this was picked up by AMC, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so we started this podcast at that inception. So, uh, the, you know, I'm much more invested in this show than I am in any other show. <laughs> right. Right. Because <laughs> I've been there from the ground floor uh, of this particular show. The other example I have is kids, right? I like your kids and everything, and I've always liked your kids, but, you know, Jasper, I was there at Inception. I wasn't there at your kid's Inception. <laughs> I'm glad you were, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I think it works out for the best. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm much more invested in Jasper, for example, because uh, he's mine, and I've been there the whole time. Sure. Whereas yours, I, you know, I see your kids every now and again, and they're fine as far as kids go. Pretty good kids. Right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm much more invested in my own than yours. All right. Well, that's fair. And uh, good example, weirdo. Yeah. Um, this is why, though, I, w I wanted you to try to watch this, this panel, because I was wondering if you were going to have the same experience that I did after watching it, going, you know what? Here's a show that I wasn't so sure about, but now I'm kind of into it. Uh, well, you couldn't even get through the first five minutes, so... No, I, I was too not. distracted by Chris Hardwick's house, his spoiler, <laughs> and then uh, the actors. The other thing is, speaking of the actors, I also felt at least the first group of them, because they did it in two halves, the first group were really into it, especially the younger ones. And again, there are a lot of younger people on this show. Um, I got the feeling that these actors really understood their characters. And while they were talking about themselves and their experience on the show and what you know, what we're going to see Matt Negretti, the showrunner is just sitting there nodding his head with a huge smile on his face, like a proud dad, I thought, you know, and that just made me like him even more in a way. So, you know, between him being so cool, the actors showing a real interest in it, kind of the concept of this cross country quest, I gotta say, I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking out uh, world beyond now. Not only that, we already know that it's only two seasons long, so they have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's all planned out, and they're not going to draw it out, you know, unnecessarily. So I think it's going to be really good. Finally, too, Julia Ormond, who plays Elizabeth on this show from the Three Ring community, which we might as well just start calling the CRM because that's what it is known as. No! 
That's what did it I is. I know that before. I th- I don't know if you did, but it's again, it's one of those things that's been out there for a long time already. CRM. Oh man, that's horrible. Well, whatever it ends up being called, uh, for real in show universe, if it's not that, you know, I don't know, but uh, that's what it is for now. Because that's my job, right? I that's what I've been doing for a living for the last like oh. ten years was uh, <laughs> Microsoft CRM, which is now called Dynamics. 365, but it's still CRM. It's customer relationship management. Yep. It's, it's a whole thing. It's an acronym. I'll have to readjust my thinking because, um, Dr. Strangelove, the device where they had to plug in the three digit prefix in order to get communication with the planes that were at their safe, uh, uh, what is the safe point? It's called a CRM 114. There you go. Right. I don't know what the CRM stands for, but they had to put in the three-letter prefix into the CRM 114. And so I'll have to try and readjust my thinking so that I don't get work flashbacks every time I mention that name on the show. (laughs) I hope hope that's not too difficult for you. It's... I'm really disappointed. All right. Well... I could have called it the TK421. I can get on board with TK421. Well, that would require some thinking adjustment as well, I would think. Anyways, anyway. it's the CRM. So Julia Ormond was asked, does her character know where Rick is? Because everyone figures, you know, Rick is with these people. And her answer was basically very calculated. And she said, if Elizabeth knows where Rick is, I'm not sure she'd tell you. And, El- and if Elizabeth did tell you where Rick is... I'm not sure you should believe her. And me, Julia, won't say if I know where Rick is because I want to keep my job. <laughs> and That's a very good answer. It, I thought it was great, and so did everybody on the panel, even Scott Gimple. He was like, you get the Academy Award for question answering on panels right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why they won't let, uh, damn it, what's his name? Uh, he played the Hulk? Oh, yeah. Um, um the Hulk. Yeah, I know. He he spoils things all the time. Yeah, he's not allowed to talk on do press anymore, I don't think. I know. I've seen he, s- he spoils things. I've seen some clips where he spoils things. Um oh my god, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, uh it, Julia's answer was great and everyone seemed to agree. So, The World Beyond, as we said, starts October the 4th. Uh Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, that's right. Fear premieres on the 11th. I guess this means that we have Fear and World Beyond running at the same time. Yes. Yeah, we'll have the finale uh, of The Walking Dead, which has world, The World Beyond, and then Fear will start with World Beyond, uh, you know, around the same time. So they're going to kind of go at the same time. The, that'll be the first time we've had two Walking Dead shows running at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What a strange, fucked up world we live in. It sure year. is. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's everything from the panels. Uh, there was all kinds of stuff there. I assume you can still watch these over on YouTube or, you know, you can find them by going to the, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con at home website. And as the weekend progresses, there is more, uh, San Diego Comic-Con content coming. So if, if you're not just interested in the walking dead, obviously there's all kinds of stuff you can check out there. Now, Continuing on with the Walking Dead news, earlier in the week, there was another big event called Skybound Expo. And of course, Skybound is Kirkman's company, and they had their own sort of big online conference just less than a week ago. 
and a bunch of Walking Dead information came out of those events as well. So we are going to continue here with information from the expo. And the first is that they've they've made official that there's a new cast member joining season 11, which is weird because I thought this was already the case, but it was reported like it was a big deal. And that is that Margot Bingham, who provided the voice of Stephanie on season 10 that uh, yep. that Eugene was talking to, will has officially signed on to appear like in the flesh during season 11. Okay, cool. So the woman doing the voice will actually appear on screen uh, as the same character. Now, it's kind of silly because AMC has yet to comment on who she will play, but does it make any sense to have her do the voice of one <laughs> character and then portray a different one like actually on screen? I don't think so. Not a lot. So Not a lot. she will likely be playing Stephanie and that is basically being confirmed. So if you're a Margot Bingham fan and you may have seen her in She's Gotta Have It or New Amsterdam or Boardwalk Empire, uh, then you're going to see her on The Walking Dead Season 11. I remember her from Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I thought you might. I haven't seen any of those shows, but I know I, I was pretty sure you'd seen Boardwalk. Yep. Enjoyed it too. Good. Well, there you go. She'll be on Season 11. Uh, Kirkman also was asked, of course, about the Rick Grimes movie or movies that are coming up. And really all I've got here is this quote. He says, there's tons of stuff going on behind the scenes. I don't want anyone to think that we're just kind of waiting around for this pandemic to end. I would say that, if anything, the pandemic is going to make a lot of movies better. I think the Rick Grimes movie chief among them, just because we're getting a lot more time to cook this thing and make sure it's perfect. But when things do quiet down, you guys are going to hear a ton more about this movie. We may or may not be working on the movie as we speak. <laughs> That's right. Well, he <laughs> says that we're taking our time to really, really make it as good as we can. So they, yeah. haven't, they haven't shot anything, but boy, have they been writing like crazy. <laughs> yeah, the writers, you know, uh, you know, he calls up the uh, the writer, writers one at a time and, and says, can I, uh, can I assume that you've been thinking about this movie every now and again? Like when you're sitting at home and doing nothing because you got nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. Does this movie cross your mind at all? Uh, Why, well, yes, Scott, it does. Okay, good. Kirkman, but and yeah. He, oh, Kirkman, whatever, whoever. Uh, so now he can, you know, accurate, accurate, accurately report we're all working on it. It's yeah. all being worked on. Everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's, uh, you know, we're making this thing perfect. Yeah. Well, in fact, what he's thinking is, God, this thing's going to be crap. Oh, man, I on. should really work on this. It's, uh, it's tough. I really don't want to work on that right now. Let's hope but, not. You know, it crossed your mind. Let's hope not. I mean, they were already behind schedule before the pandemic. And I think it's, it's a good sign that they're using their time to, redo and refine and cross T's and dot I's and, and, and try to make it as, as good as they can. They obviously haven't shot anything yet, but at least they didn't rush this thing through and deliver a subpar product. Maybe we'll get a really, really good movie out of this because they've had the time to do it right. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. Is it possible for me not to be a full-blown curmudgeon? Well, it really, I feel this curmudgeon person, uh, you know, really kind of bubbling to the surface lately. And I don't know whether it's the pandemic or whether it's just me getting older, but 
damn it, if somebody walks on my lawn, I'm going to yell at them. Well, you're getting to that point in your life, but maybe you should actively fight against it. I should. So I I know I'm cynical, but that's okay. You know, be a cynic. That's fine. Uh, But, you know, when they say they're working on stuff, you know, I, I, my brain just immediately thinks of ways to, uh, for someone to say they're working on stuff when in fact it's just a bunch of bullshit. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. I have to apologize to you and to the world, to my wife for, uh, this curmudgeon character that's coming out. All right. Well, speaking of being a curmudgeon, let's see what you think about this next one. Sure. Uh, you remember the Walking Dead comics? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what they're doing? Uh, I thought, uh, didn't we talk about this? They were giving away uh, issues? No. <laughs> uh, recently, what are the, they doing? Recently, the Negan thing came out, right? Back on yeah. July 1st. That was that was a really nice thing they did to support comic shops. Well, now they are re-releasing the entire Walking Dead comic run in full color. What? <laughs> Denied. <laughs> okay, so they're reprinting the entire release in color. It's called The Walking Dead Deluxe. It is colored by an artist by the name of Dave McCaig. I think I got that right. And it's deluxe because each issue will feature and include extra details, uh, extra you know information about stuff that was cut out or didn't or ideas that Kirkman had that didn't go anywhere. So kind of a deluxe edition of each one. Uh, from the press release about this, it says the definitive presentation of the story will not be collected into trade paperback anytime soon. So fans and new readers should not trade weight which I guess is a comic industry term uh-huh. to experience this fully colored edition of the popular survival horror series. The first uh, issue will be released on October the 7th. So right around the same time as the show, and it will include five variant covers. So five different versions of that one. And then after that, we will get two issues each month. So uh, it's going to run for some time at two per month and it's all going to be in color and it's going to be deluxe. So I ask you, Jason, how do you feel about this, Mr. Curmudgeon? I, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard after that whole curmudgeon, curmudgeon conversation to not ask how this is a cheap cash grab. Uh, the Walking Dead, one of its premier features one of its features that i loved was that it was in black and white yeah it's like oh my god there's this comic it's so successful it's so good it's uh, such a, a a you know a realistic visceral look at uh, what the world would be like if uh you know if zombies took over and it's in black and white isn't that cool and it was cool and it is cool and now it's in color and <laughs> And they paid one guy to color all these issues? Jesus, that's a job. Well, you know what? I mean, the first one with five variants, I think there were five different artists. But from what I understand, this Dave McKegg guy will be the one uh, doing all of them. Yeah, going forward, 190 whatever issues. I mean, it's all right there. If you want a color variant of The Walking Dead, go grab a box of crayons. I mean, (laughs) it's all there. Just start coloring, man. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if these weren't, if these were just the straight up issues re-released in color, I, I would feel like this is kind of the definition of a double dip. 
You know, it's like, here's the same thing for you to buy one more time. I yeah. know the colorization is not exactly the same thing. Uh, and you don't some, think that they had that conversation in a room? So it's like, how are we going to be able to get away with this? People are just going to think it's a double dip. It's like, well, we got to give them some extras. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, you know, pieces of paper that uh, you decided that were crap? Yeah, I got lots of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give us the crap. Give us the crap. We'll color it. Yeah. It'll be a feature. I, it's like, I, no, but I cut it out of that, uh, out of the, uh, the issues because it was crap and it screwed with the pacing and, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we cut that stuff out for a reason. It's like, no, we got to give them something. They need more. They need more. So they can, we can justify the, the, you know, paying for this and for that guy to, with his pencil crayons to coloring all the, I'm sorry, I'm belittling that yeah, art form. Don't do that. Comic book art form, uh, comic book coloring is a big fucking deal. And it takes a lot of skill and a lot of effort and a lot of artistry. I recognize that. I'm sorry. I'm being a curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah. You're just belittling the whole idea, not the fact that he's an artist. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a, for a long time now, there was a a book supposedly being released called something like The Walking Dead Cutting Room Floor, where it was going to be a book that explored these plot lines that Kirkman never used like he thought up but decided not to use or things that got cut out or alternate illustrations or something like that right they were gonna they were gonna do a one-off book about this and then it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed and people had amazon orders in for like years waiting for this thing to release and ship and it never did and obviously it's because they decided that they were going to take all that content and spread it out over this entire run re-release so on part of me it's like okay I can see some of the interest in that. I know it's not your thing, but a lot of people really like behind the scenes or outtakes or whatever, that kind of information. And I'm kind of one of those people. I I don't mind seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, But I would much have preferred this to be one standalone book that just sort of gave us some insight into, you know, how the Walking Dead comic developed over the years and a little bit behind the curtain stuff. I don't know if... I'm going to repurchase the entire run of the comic just to get these. I already own a significant chunk of the original run, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if, if, if you're one of those fans that really is into this and really wants this, then, then great. It's there for you. But I don't sort of begrudge anybody who feels like this is just too much. Yeah. I'm going to undermine my own argument if you don't mind. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, D&D. So they put out D&D books. Uh, Wizards of the Coast puts out D&D books every now and again. Every uh, It seems like every four or five months they'll have a new uh, source book. And I always, always, always buy them because I like collecting D&D books. I've, honestly, I rarely read them and I don't play D&D. I haven't played D&D in a long time, but I do enjoy the books. Now, what they've been doing, what Wizards has been, have been doing lately is they'll release the book and you can get it on Amazon. You can go to any bookstore and get it. You can go to uh, wherever you'd like. But they also release an alternate covered version. 
So the, it has a special cover. All it is is the, the cover of the book is different, and they only release that to game stores, gaming stores. So you have to get this from gaming stores. You cannot get it on Amazon. You cannot get it from your bookstore. You cannot order it from anywhere uh, other than a gaming store. And I like this because it's the whole purpose is driving people to the gaming stores, mm-hmm. right? Because if you could just buy everything on Amazon, why the fuck would you go to your uh, your local game shop? So every time they come out with uh, with a new D and D book, I place a pre order from my favorite gaming shop, which is Four Hundred One Games. Uh, they have a number of stores around Toronto. I like this place. I buy. I've bought a lot of stuff there. And what do I do? I buy both versions of the book. So right. now, and I just got one in the mail like yesterday. I got two in the mail, the regular covered version and the alternate covered version. They're the same price and they're bloody goddamn expensive. <laughs> Why would I get both? I have no idea, but I'm a collector. It's worth it to me. I get both. It's double dipping. Absolutely. But I'll pay for the double dip. So you can so, understand why some people might be willing to pay for this. Yes, collectors would, and I guess my frustration is around uh, the collectors, because I'm also I'm a collector of things. I collect things. Uh, you know, Lego comes out with a collection of minifigures three times a year, and sometimes it feels so frustrating because uh, I collect them, and I always buy a box, a complete box of sixty minifigures when they come out because they have uh, three complete sets within this box, uh, and every. Th- three or four months, I'm like, oh my God, I got to buy another box of these things. And I have to, because I'm collecting them all and God forbid, I don't have them all at the end of the day. So it feels frustrating that, uh, it's like, you know, I would be better. I'd feel better if Lego only came out with these things once a year or twice a year, but it's like three times a year. And it just, it feels like as soon as I get one and I go, oh, I got that situation solved. You know, they come out with another collectible series. I'm like, oh my God, I got to buy another box. Right. And so I think my frustration on this primarily is those poor collectors, five alternate versions, all the colored uh, variants uh, that are going to be coming out every two months. That is an awful commitment to make somebody buy all of those. And there's people out there that will buy all of those because they're the collectors. And now that collecting burden is, uh, they're putting an additional burden on these people. And I feel bad for them. Yeah, I think but that's my primary concern is that, yes, it's great. Yes, it's double dipping, but people will buy that. But it's putting an awful burden on these people that have to collect. I like guess so, me. but that's not up to the Kirkman and his group to worry about that. I don't think it's, it's just up to you whether you want to spend the money to repurchase something you already own just because it's in color. I know, but yeah. there's a lot of people that don't have a choice. I, I don't suppose. have a choice. When D&D offers a new source book, I don't have a choice. I don't have that choice. If I miss one, you know, how screwed am I really? You know, not having a complete <laughs> My set? answer, Jason, is not at all. <laughs> I know, but the burden, it is my burden. I know. Right? But it feels like a burden sometimes. Yeah. Well, if you're out there, let us know what you think about this. If you're going to buy it, if you're not going to buy it, or if you have a strong opinion either way, I'd be curious to know what some of our listeners think on the double dip. If you and, even... and the comic and the comic book fans are obsessive, like they know this, yeah, right. Oh, Releasing yeah. a new version of something to comic book fans is a guaranteed sale. But those poor bastards, like it's their money, you know, let them spend it on something else, not have to spend it on your your books. Yeah, well, it, it feels slightly evil. I don't know. 
Slightly, but not that evil. But let us know what you think. Uh, anyways, let's go on to the next item here. We have an update on the ongoing lawsuits between The Walking Dead producers and AMC, specifically the one where Kirkman, Galen Hurd, David Alpert, and some of the other producers are suing AMC for a greater share of the profits. Hollywood accounting? Hollywood accounting, that's right. Uh, and the way, I'm not sure I realized this before, but the way this lawsuit is presented is that they are suing AMC for breach of contract. It's that It's a breach of contract lawsuit saying that, you know, they're not living up to their end of the bargain by paying Kirkman and everybody uh, the amounts of money that they're due. But a decision has been made and it is a huge win for AMC, not Kirkman and his his pals. So this comes from HollywoodReporter.com. Today's decision is a total victory for AMC, says its attorney Oren Snyder at Gibson Dunn. The judge found in AMC's favor on all seven issues that were presented at trial and confirmed that AMC honored its contracts and paid Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman and the other plaintiffs what they were owed. As the court found, these plaintiffs had the most sophisticated lawyers and agents in Hollywood, and they got what they bargained for. So AMC is basically, or was arguing, that they... The plaintiffs were represented by smart, sophisticated counsel, and that at the time of signing these contracts, they accepted AMC's method of calculating profits. So therefore, they were paid exactly what they were owed based on the contracts in place. Yeah. I mean, the contracts were shitty. You uh, you signed them, so live with it. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And that's you where we stand. Uh, you didn't. You didn't see uh, the scam they were perpetrating. I'm so cynical. So I feel so bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't like big business sign- making people sign contracts that uh, are detrimental, uh, or they have like uh, you know their their hands behind their sleeves or their mouths behind their sleeves going <laughs> like cartoon bad guys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So. They signed the contract. They knew what they were getting into. I mean, it, the judge may think, geez, that's a really shitty thing to do, but fuck, you wrote it down and they signed it. So, you know, you got to live with it. I mean, that's, that's the way it works. That's what contracts are for. Uh, the other thing is, uh, Oren Snyder, this lawyer went on to say, we are now turning our attention to the trial in New York, which involves very similar claims by CAA and Frank Darabont. Uh, secure in the knowledge that the first court to hold a trial on these issues ruled completely in AMC's favor. So, of course, the Frank Darabont trial, which has been ongoing for like seven years, is still out there and it's similar. And so they're now very confident that AMC is going to come out on top on that one as well. And in fact, you know, does this ruling kind of set a precedent for it anyways? Right. We don't know yet, but We'll see. It could. Yeah. I mean, you know, our legal system, and I say ours as in our, you know, the Canadian legal system and the U.S. legal system are both based on British common law. So our legal system is precedent based, right? It's, uh, well, we had a similar case over here and they ruled that way. So, uh, you know, we got to roll this, we got to roll that way. We've got to rule that way on this thing too. And Mm -hmm. the judges are like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. That's the way it works. That's right. But we'll see. That case is still ongoing, amazingly enough, uh, whereas the first one is now, as far as I know, resolved. I assume there can be appeals and things like that, but this first the, ruling is down. The decision was made. That's good enough, right? Until the uh, when the appeal gets decided upon, then 
they can use that as precedent as well. Right. But for now, this is the ruling mm-hmm. and it stands. That's right. Until it doesn't. Okay. Two more items here, Jason. We're still going. Um, okay. I want to think positively. Think positively. All right. Maybe, maybe this one, or they, maybe these last two are a little more positive. So uh, we are not done with sort of a um, Walking Dead cast content for the weekend. There is another event taking place. Well, as we speak, it's tomorrow, uh, July 25th, Saturday, July 25th. Is it a dance party? Uh, no, but it's not that far off. Um, <laughs> it's called the Walking Dead Universe Family Hangout. Nice. This was posted to Twitter by at Walking Dead AMC, their account. And the tweet reads, spend Saturday night with your Walking Dead family. Join the casts of the Walking Dead Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead World Beyond for a special The Walking Dead Universe Family Hangout Q&A hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown on The Walking Dead's YouTube channel. So, okay. Is um, dancing prohibited? I don't think so. Then it's a dance party. There you go. The list of guests that they announced is like 30 people long. So it's huge. I'm not wow. going to read it all here, but it includes main actors from all three of the shows. And I guess anyone can just watch it. It is tomorrow, July 25th. Weirdly, they didn't say what time. So you might have to try to Google that or look that up yourself. It's a dance party. You can start whenever you want. Well, I guess so. But keep an eye, I guess, on that Twitter account or maybe the Walking Dead YouTube channel for more information. But this sounds like it might be kind of fun, too. And it involves, you know, everyone from the whole Walking Dead universe. So check that out if you haven't missed it already (laughs) when you're listening to this. All right. I choose to say nothing bad about this. Awesome. One more thing here that is not really Walking Dead related, but I just wanted to throw it out there. And that is that Robert Kirkman does have a new show that's in the works and coming hopefully soon. It is an animated show from Amazon Studios. It is based on his other one of his other long-running comic series, which is also now done, called Invincible. And we have a whole bunch of cast members listed as, you know, voice actors on this show. And it's amazing. So I just wanted to call this out and say that I think it would be worth checking out when it does arrive on Amazon because the cast includes Steven Yun in the lead role as Mark Grayson. He's the main character. Nice. J.K. Simmons, Sandra O, oh, Seth Rogen, Zazie Beetz, Mark Hamill, Walton Goggins, Jason Manzukas, May Whitman, Jillian Jacobs, Kari Payton, and Zachary Quinto. Jesus. That's a that's a hell of a cast, in my opinion. Yeah. So there's a lot of good work, uh, a lot of good people there. And this show I think will be interesting because it's eight hour long episodes. You don't see too many animated shows that are hour long. No. And it, it's going to be, I mean, it's about teenagers the main character is a teenager but it's going to be a pretty adult show i think so it could be really really interesting there's no release date yet but we've gotten more information recently which i think probably means we are getting closer to it actually coming out that's awesome i'm looking forward to that yeah i know you haven't read invincible but i read most of it and uh really enjoyed a lot of it so i do Look forward to this one and it's Kirkman related. So folks out there might want to, uh, might want to check it out. Nice. Okay. Jason, that is it for the walking dead news. We are, you know, like an hour and 15 in here, but we still, we still have to move on and talk about an episode of a show we've been watching recently. And that is of course the 
Twilight Zone. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Okay, so we're just going to do one episode of the Twilight Zone this week, thankfully, because as I said, we're already going pretty long here. Um, This is season two, episode four. It is called Ovation. It stars Journey Smollett. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Tawny Newsom, Paul F. Tompkins, and Thomas Lennon. IMDb writes this about the episode. A struggling singer's music career takes off when she witnesses a tragic incident, but she soon realizes that her recognition comes at a steep cost. Mm. And to add to that, we have the narrator. Jasmine Delancey has spent her entire life in search of one thing. Applause. Now that she's found it, it's given her a new sense of meaning. But what exactly is the value of an ovation so loud it drowns out the performance? Jasmine's about to find out. Here, in the Twilight Zone. Indeed she is. So so this episode um, is, is that it's about a struggling singer who receives this unusual gold coin or token type thing. And apparently it brings just unadulterated fan adoration upon whoever has it. And so when she receives it, her career immediately explodes from there. And of course there are some serious consequences that come along with that. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to start on this one, Jason? What, uh, what did you think of, um, episode four? All right. So I'm going to be as positive as I possibly can. Okay. About this episode. Okay. I fucking hated everything about this. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> come on. I'm going to change your mind a little bit by the end of I this. sure hope so. Uh, the only thing I liked about this is Tawny Newsom. Uh, I didn't realize this until just recently. Like I watched this episode a couple of days ago, but I just realized that she was in that uh, uh, that other show. What is it called? Space Force? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Space Force. That was it. And that's the positive thing I have about this. She was the helicopter so I, pilot in Space Force, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And she went to the moon. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, Sorry. yeah. Spoiler for Space Force. Oh, Space Force. Such a disappointment. Speaking of disappointment. <laughs> but that's the best thing about this episode. <laughs> okay. So you absolutely like hated it. I have, I have reasons. Do you want to hear the reasons? Well, yeah. Sure. Why not? I mean, before, before that, maybe... Um, it, uh, the, the episode wasn't totally clear what was going on from the immediate start. Um, I did think the early scene where she gets, she has the token and, uh, you know, after the, the pop star that gives it to her, she receives it from another pop star who, uh-huh. who gives it to her. It seems innocent enough, but then this other star, jumps in front of a bus and kills herself, which I must admit, I did not see coming. No, because the bus came from right off screen. Well, I just, you know what I mean? The, the <laughs> I scene mean. I didn't see coming. I was, I, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then, and then her fans start crowding around her and she steps in front of this bus. And then what happens is Jasmine starts playing a song at the memorial, you know, created in, in at the, the site of this accident and everyone just starts clapping in the middle of her song and i'm like come on let her finish the damn song at least right and that's what i mean it wasn't clear exactly what was happening at first and that kind of annoyed me um uh but that is explained as the episode goes on i think this one has 
like many Twilight Zones, it has a lot to say, but for me, it did it in a bit of an underwhelming way because it's not the most exciting episode of all of them. Um, and it didn't really grip my attention from start to finish, but I do think it had a lot of interesting points to make, which we'll get into. But if you want to go into some of your, uh, let's call them criticisms first, why don't you do <laughs> let's that? Let's call them uh, just opinions. They're <laughs> okay. not really criticism because I, I recognize that, uh, a lot of this shit is me and not the show. So anyway, it's up to you to decide where the, the line is, uh, the first thing I noticed that was odd was when the initial pop star, the first pop star who had this medallion, she was shooting a video, mm-hmm. right? And as soon as it, uh, as soon as the video ended, everybody started clapping and crowded around her. I'm like, production crews don't do that. Like th- that was the first thing that was off for me was that, and then she went to her dressing table and they were still clapping. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? But this th- is, uh, this is odd. Yeah. But that's sort of the point. And that's what I was saying. It's like, you don't really understand that at first. And that's what makes it, uh, well, it's it's what's supposed to make it intriguing in a way, but I agree with you. It felt weird, but I was also willing to, willing to give it a chance. Okay. So I'll, I'll grant that, that that was part of the, uh, the setup of this medallion that, uh, that this pop star had and passed on to, uh, to our intrepid hero. But, uh, that right then kind of irked me and it's because I don't like and this is me, I don't like TV shows and movies about the music industry. Uh-huh. I don't know what it is. Like I've, you know, I've never really been part of the music industry other than in a very peripheral way in, in various bands that played bars and that's about it. But uh, movies and television shows about the music industry never seem to get it right in my opinion. What I feel is the music industry and what I know about the music industry uh, which is, you know, definitely not from within it, but from without. Uh, TV shows tend to skew that in order to uh, make a point or to tell a story. And that always kind of irks me. It's the same thing as when you see computer programmers on uh, TV and movies. Because as we all know from TV and movies, programmers work better with a gun to their head and or getting a blowjob. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't aware of, but sure. <laughs> It, it's happened. I think the uh, there was Hugh Jackman played a uh, computer program with a gun to his head and was, uh, I think he was, anyway. Uh, so computer programmers, like, so the music industry and the software industry, no TV show or movie has ever gotten it anywhere near right, in my opinion. I, I would argue, I, know of. I would argue that um, uh, computer software programming industry is depicted far worse uh, in, in a far worse way than, than the music industry is in general. Right. So as soon as I saw that this was about the music industry and then I saw these people and I, not knowing anything about what the plot was going to be, all these people clapping and applauding for this person performing uh, or just finished performing a music video and then her going back to her dressing table and people still applauding and clapping. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a slog. And I think that tainted my opinion of the whole thing. Uh, But there's other aspects to this show, this particular episode that I didn't like as well. Uh, There was the applause. There was the, I mean, I understood that when she was failing on that show and she, you know, was playing like crap and had to stop and stuff and people started applauding harder. I mean, that was compelling. It's just like, okay, well, this thing she's performing and people applaud when she performs. And then when she goes to see her sister, who's a surgeon, 
And the guy on the table with his chest open and his heart beating reaches his arms around and starts clapping. That's a win in my opinion. Okay. That was, that was a win. <laughs> that's the, that's the part I liked least. Really? Yeah. Because, because that was like a gag in a, in an otherwise, in an episode that otherwise I thought had some, or at least posed some serious questions. And that oh, seemed yeah. like a stupid gag to me. I didn't like that part at all. Uh, I thought it was one of the best parts of the whole episode. Right. And then she took out that, she opened, she was at the cabin at the, at near the end. Well, first of all, when she said, I can't throw this into, uh, into the water and handed it to her sister to throw in the water. I'm like, what is this? The one ring? You can't throw it in the water? Of course she's not going to throw it in. And so I knew from right that moment, that moment, what was going to happen next, right? She goes to the cabin and she sees this magazine of this new great, you know, the fat of pop star. I'm like, that's obviously her sister. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and then she is making, uh, uh, Mr. Noodles or whatever. And ironically enough, I was eating Mr. Noodles at the time. I'm like, Hey, that's what I'm having for dinner. (laughs) Uh, so that was kind of fun, but she opens up this drawer and she pulls, pulls out this big fucking knife and opens up the the thing with that big knife. I'm like, geez, I didn't, that's Chekhov's knife. If I ever saw one, Mm -hmm. I knew from that moment, like you don't, like that looked, and the only thing in the drawer was this big fucking knife. As soon as you pull a big goddamn knife out of the drawer, I'm like, well, I wonder who she's going to stab. Well, I didn't put together the sister until the end. Yeah. When she they showed it to me. So, she, but. She doesn't indeed stab somebody. I knew that that knife was going to be stabbing somebody by the end of the episode. Right. Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I don't disagree with you that it's, you know, the music industry is not depicted very well here, but, but I also don't really think that's the point in a way. The, to me, the music industry was more of the, the kind of setting for this rather than being about it, because I do think this episode posed a bunch of interesting questions and whether you think they answered them or not is probably a matter of opinion. But like, you know, this episode on one hand was about the perils of success. I would say, you know, like in a way, sort of being careful what you wish for. And when Jasmine gets what she thinks she wanted, like a great deal of success. In fact, she even says that at the beginning when the first pop star who jumped in front of the bus, who was called Fiji, um, hands her this token, you know, it's right after she asks her, what do you want? And Jasmine says, well, I guess I want what you have. Right. So she gets that, but is it her heaven or is it her hell and you know is it too much for her and so i thought that was an interesting question is like you know can people everybody wants to want to be successful they want to be i mean i guess as a singer they want to be well known but can they handle it when they get to that point and i thought that was an interesting question and uh is success achieved uh worth it when it's unearned Absolutely. Um, and the way I phrase that, and I think it's kind of the same point is are celebrities praised because they're talented or just because they're famous, if you know what I mean. But like, you're right. Is, is the, is the, is the success the same when you didn't have to work hard for it? It was handed to you. Uh, what's his name? Comedian. Uh, he played with Dwayne Johnson. He was in, uh, the Jumanji movies. Oh, Uh, Kevin Hart, little guy. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart put it well. Yep. Uh, somebody, I think I saw an interview with him somewhere and said, do you, uh, uh, 
do you enjoy fame? Do you like being famous? And he thought about it for a second and he put it rather well. He said, uh, I like success. Mm-hmm. I want to be successful. And being successful in this industry means the fame comes along with it. Fame is not the goal. Success is the goal. Fame is the byproduct. Right. And so that makes a lot of sense to me. Whereas this medallion that, uh, that Jasmine got, uh, fame was the goal without any success. Mm-hmm. Right. You could, whatever you do, you get up there, you shit the bed right on stage in front of a million people and they all just applaud and eat it up and think you're the best thing since sliced cheese, which in my opinion is way better than sliced bread. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. But I think I, right. But that's kind of what I mean. Like this, this episode is, it was, it was examining that a little bit, you know, like she becomes famous. I mean, I, I would, I would argue that she was fairly talented, although the song she does sing in it is kind of repetitive and mediocre for sure. But I thought she was a good singer. I thought she had a nice voice, but, um, she becomes famous through no hard work or anything like that. She starts dressing up in these really uncharacteristic outfits for her. Like her sister kind of points that out, you know, and as you said, she's terrible on stage. They continue to applaud relentlessly. Um, and she, Jasmine even claims at one point to her sister that, um, her singing makes life worth living, which she, you know, presents as more important than what her sister does, who's a, like a heart surgeon, heart save, surgeon yeah. saving people's lives. Right. And they point out that this is an awfully arrogant attitude to take. Right. So, you know, what is it about being famous that might turn someone into this or were they already like that? And, and then, you know, the fame just exposed it. I, I don't know, but you know, I think, I do think these are interesting questions to pose and I guess the episode tries to answer them by the sort of second or the third act of it all when she goes to that cabin and starts to lose it a little bit and decides to do something um, that is clearly outside of her normal character. Okay. So first of all, I was thinking of this medallion as the one ring, like it was corrupting. It was powerful. Uh, it was unthrowawayable, if I may borrow a word from non-reality. Uh-huh. Uh, so much like the one ring, you can't, like, you can't get rid of it. It is completely, uh, you know, soul sucking. It's, it invades your soul. So that's how I saw this was that even though she no longer had possession of this thing, it corrupted her. And so when she did have possession, not only did it give her this fame that she wanted, but it also corrupted her a little bit, which is making me think of uh, uh, when she was being very dark, saying that, you know, it makes life worth living and my pursuit is more important than your stupid heart surgery. Like, Jesus, everybody <laughs> yeah. has a heart. Yeah, you know? really. Not everybody can enjoy my music. I don't know, I don't know what the, I'm kind of grasping at straws there, but uh, I was seeing it as, as corrupting. And even when she doesn't have it anymore, it's still corrupting, much like going to spoil Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Even after Frodo got rid of the ring, was able to, uh, you know, no longer have the ring. It still corrupted him in a way that he could never recover. He had to go with the elves on the ship, uh, into the, uh, into the great beyond because he couldn't live anymore because it still corrupted him, uh, wholly and completely. He was unable to recover from it fully. Sam had possession of it for like 45 minutes and it's still chewed away at him for a long time, but he was able to eventually recover. 
because he didn't have it on him all 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 the time. He only had right. it on him for you know a little while. Well, you know, Schlob, Schlob, whatever that big spider was, uh, you know, wound up Frodo. Anyway, uh, I saw this as corrupting, so I saw her in the ca- at the lake house. She was very corrupted still, and uh, when I guess fame, when you're no longer famous for her, it meant pain. Right. And I understand the, uh, that kind of pain because I, I fully remember, I have a memory of working, uh, at an entertainment industry, a booking agency and being incredibly unhappy at the time I was broke. I'd broken up with my girlfriend. I was miserable. Uh, I, I, you know, life was absolutely horrible. And these two, we had hired these performers that, uh, had a horse. Uh, they would bring horses and give people horse rides or buggy rides in these horses. And this man who, this guy who owned this farm came in for whatever reason to get uh, checks or sign contracts or something, came in with his daughter, who was also working with him at the time. And they looked so genuinely happy with each other. They looked like they were content in their lives. They looked like uh, they were laughing. They were joking. They were easy with each other. They were just happy and i fucking hated them i absolutely <laughs> hated everything about it it just ate at me at in that moment and i'm like and it, it was a moment of realization as well because i realized holy shit i hate these people because they're happy how stupid is that man you got to do something about this so it was a kind of a realization in my moment in that moment but it also was man happiness is just so awful and it can eat at you so i understand this it's just like okay this person's successful i'm well famous sorry uh and i'm no longer famous i must stab it i'm going to take this big knife i found for opening ramen noodle packages and i'm going to stab this happiness this success this famous person and i'm going to stab it well i'm going to die i'm glad you you presented it like that to me because i didn't really think of it like that. I was watching her, you know, lose her mind a little bit in that cabin and was thinking to myself, wait a minute, why is she going crazy here? Didn't she want to get away from this? Is she experiencing some kind of like post fame withdrawal or fear of missing out? Or is she, is she realizing she, the limelight wasn't so bad, even though it was kind of hell. And and that confused me a little bit, but I think your your comparison there helps me understand it a bit, right? I even thought, you know, there was a scene there where she she wakes up from a dream where she's on stage and she's in the dream. She seems to be really enjoying the fame. So yeah. I, I think the way you described it actually helps me out a little bit there. But you're right. She goes through all of this. Um, this new mysterious star emerges. Um, and at first, Jasmine decides to come back to the city and it appears like she comes back and actually tries singing on the street corner again, which she was doing at the beginning, but she's really bad. And then the host of the show she was on walks by and doesn't really recognize her and stuff like that. And to me, that was the moment that she decided to kill this, this new singer. And as you say, like, you know, stab the happiness, kill the happiness. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess that she, was kind of her rock bottom moment on that street corner there. But she had the knife, right? Like she did not leave that cabin without that knife. Yeah. Okay. So when did she make the decision to use the knife then? When, when she, she was in the cabin or when she was when on she that was in the corner? cabin? Cause she brought that knife with her. Why would she bring the, the ramen knife with her unless she wanted to stab somebody with it? But see, that doesn't make sense to me because if that was her goal, she would have left the cabin 
and immediately the, I don't think we would have had the scene on the corner. Right. I think, right. I feel like that was the, the tip of the, not, no, the uh, tipping point for yep. her where maybe she did bring the, the knife back thinking she would do something, but wasn't quite there yet. And then when she was playing her music, nobody noticed the host of the show that, you know, had seemingly had a hand in making her famous before, didn't recognize her, kind of reacted to her very poorly. That's when she decided to go and go to this event and murder this new singer. Okay. I thought that she would, well, then as soon as I saw the knife, I knew it was stabby time somewhere in the episode. Right. So uh, from that point forward, I'm like, I wonder who she's going to stab. And then she saw the person in the uh, the magazine. I'm like, well, she's going to stab her. I didn't know that it was her sister until, you know, the reveal. Uh, and I feel like, I feel kind of dumb because I should have picked up on that because I knew the sister didn't throw the damn medallion. Well, uh, they also, were, they were vague about that. I mean, they were standing by the water. She was supposed to throw it in. She yeah. hands it to her sister. She makes a throwing motion, but you don't see it leave her hand. So I figured out that it would be the sister sort of during the stabbing scene. I can't really say before, but just before she rolls over and we see her face, I kind of figured it out. Well, um, the hair is pretty distinctive. Yeah, like I guess so. Very big hair. And also for a surgeon. In a way <laughs> <laughs> Right. You need a big hairnet for that. Um, in a way, you know, it's the Twilight Zone. You need to expect something like this is coming, or many of us many of us do. So yeah. I kind of figured that out. But again, your sort of description of wanting to kill that happiness in your real life example, um, helps me understand it a little bit because my initial thought was like, what exactly is Jasmine's motive here? You know, is she trying to spare this person the same fate that she experienced when she had the fame? And, you know, if so, why? Like what, what would, what would be her point of, of doing that? Um, but I, I can sort of see what you're saying now, which yeah. is funny because it's, I, it sounds like you still really didn't like this episode, but your description makes me like it more because it helps explain it a lot more to me, to be honest with you. Well, and I think I agree with you that the discussion is helping me. I think I like this episode more as an intellectual exercise than I do as a television episode. Sure. So, and, you know, and I recognize that everything that I didn't like about this episode is probably me, or a lot of it is. Mm -hmm. Uh so I think discussing it is uh, much more enjoyable and makes me think that the uh, the themes in it and the structure of it and the intellectual exercise of the whole thing is much better as a discussion yeah. than it is as an episode. Yeah, fair. And you know what? The best Twilight Zone episodes are the ones that are an intellectual uh, discussion and a really good episode of TV. The... Good episodes of the Twilight Zone are the ones, in my opinion, that are the intellectual discussions and maybe not as good an episode of TV. Right. And the very few that I would consider bad are neither. Um, right. So, I, you know, it's a good, good way to approach it and keep in mind, maybe. Um, the final shot of this, normally we get Jordan Peele as the narrator giving us a, sort of a closing monologue to wrap things up. I thought that it was brilliant on this one where instead of that, he just appears on screen. He picks up the coin out of uh, Jasmine's dead sister's hand, puts it in his jacket, looks around and walks off camera. <laughs> I clapped. Did you clap? Uh, I don't know if I clapped. I clapped in my mind though. I clapped. I clapped. In reality, I clapped. There you go. He starts clapping as he goes too. 
Uh, I thought that was great. I thought that was a really, really fun ending and, and said everything that needed to be said without speaking a word. Right. You want a real life example of who I think has one of these medallions? Sure. <laughs> okay. This, this is going to take a little while to explain. Oh. Maybe not, but let's try. <laughs> try to do the short version. <laughs> All right. Neil Young. Okay. Neil Young is basically this ugly, weird Canadian uh, that has a squeaky voice. Okay. I mean, so, ugly, do you have to start with ugly? Canadian, <laughs> Canadian uh, musicians are pretty ugly in general. Look at 5440, uh, Guess Who, uh, Chilliwack. <laughs> I mean, you could, go, there's, you could go down the line of all these Canadian great bands, great bands. Can, uh, even the Tragically Hip, you know, generally speaking, they're pretty ugly. I mean, can you name a Canadian artist from not, that's not 30 years old? <laughs> no, because you can't do that now. Okay. Right? You can't be ugly and successful in the music industry nowadays. You All can't right. do it. Okay. Right? You can only, if you're going to be ugly, you got to do it in the 70s. I'm telling you. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't name, but these are the Canadian bands that made it. Uh, in the industry and are, you know, they're generally pretty ugly. When you were a kid, right. When I was a kid. Okay. So Neil Young, uh, he's just, he's this weird looking guy who was shy. And, uh, what I want you, Chris, to do, and what I want the listeners to do is to look up a 1971 BBC concert, uh, given by Neil Young. He's just doing it acoustically by himself on stage. Uh, in 1971, he was 25 years old and it is absolutely amazing. He's sitting in a chair, he's playing his guitar and he's just this weird, shy looking, ugly Canadian boy. And he's singing old man, look at my life. And it is absolutely mesmerizing and amazing. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that this guy sounding like that, looking like that, uh, singing this song would be so amazing and it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Like it's absolutely riveting. He's Watch got, this concert on YouTube. He's got the medallion. He's got the medallion. He must have the medallion. It doesn't make any sense any other way. He's a brilliant songwriter and it just, you know, where does that come from? Is it coming from him? Is it coming from a magic guitar that he has? Did he make a deal with the devil? Does he have a medallion? Could be any one of those explanations. Well, but I, think, I, I recognize that Neil Young is a brilliant musician, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, I guess you could say that you can get by on brilliance alone. Back in the 70s. Which I, which I choose to believe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. In, in the 70s, maybe the 80s, but in the 80s, not so much. Yeah, probably not so much anymore, but everything's manufactured now. But then 5440 was in the 80s and 90s, right? Like they were a big band. They, they were, they're solid, you know, solid record, you know, records, their records would perform solidly for year over year for a very long time. In this country, I mean, I bet you a small fraction of our listening audience has ever heard of 5440. Oh, well, you got to go listen to 5440. Okay. My favorite song of 5440 is Sheila. It's a great song. I love song. that song. It's a great tune, but not that many people are going to have heard it. Okay, so that's that. Um, that is season two, episode four of The Twilight Zone called Ovation. It gets better the more you talk about it, I think. But I do agree to start off. This is probably my least favorite of the four we've talked about so far in season two. 
Um, but that's okay. They can't all be amazing. But I also don't think we've had a complete stinker yet, including this one. Okay. And uh, there you go. That is going to do it for this episode. Um, really quick before we go, if uh, you would like to help support the podcast and what we do here, the two really quick, easy ways to do that are by visiting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge or hitting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time contribution. All the funds collected go into the cost of, of running the show and we really appreciate it. But uh, these days, you know, if you have some extra cash and you want to support a much more worthy cause than, than us, I recommend you do that too. So, uh, you know, don't worry about it too much. Uh, next time on the podcast, we will be back to doing two episodes of the Twilight Zone. Episode five of season two is called Among the Untrodden. And episode six is called Eight. Simply the number eight. Uh, so I look forward to doing those. Um, Why would they make episode six eight? That's just confusing. We're going to have to watch it to find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know. Oh, it's season two. Sorry. Season, episode six, season two, you add them together, it's eight. Got it. I'm on board. Okay, Jason, you just figured it out. Very good. I did the math. Awesome. That will be in two weeks. Uh, I think on that episode, maybe what we'll do is uh, a more detailed analysis of the cold open for uh, the season finale of, of The Walking Dead 2. So that should be a fun episode. Lots of content to do there. That's coming in two more weeks. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can, of course, visit our website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Send Voicemail at the top to send us a message. You can also send all your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.